My Dear Fiona by Francis Rosenfeld Chapter 5, A Stonehenge Story The entire city was caught up in the preparations for the folk festival, so I had to postpone my visit to the Heritage Society, whose normal hours were restricted for the duration. I gave myself the excuse there is nothing for me to do anyway, so I might as well drive back to Stromness and enjoy the performances. I stopped at the Stones of Stennis this time, Fiona, trying to find a reference we share. They are 5,000 years old, and they must have felt just as old in your day as they do in mine, timeless. There was nobody else there, just the silence, swept by the wind, and I had this eerie feeling of stepping out of time altogether, into a different space I couldn't understand. I felt, as I stepped inside the green circle of grass that surrounds the stones, the elusive boundary of all that we consider normal dissolve like a melting veil, to allow me safe passage. How many times have you come here, Fiona? I thought of your people celebrating nature's rebirth and a deep sorrow flooded me, the pain of an unnecessary loss, of too great a sacrifice. We share the blood of the wise ones of old, and with it their memories, history is abstract in the records, but the emotions are overpowering here, where they will never end. Maybe that's the realm I crossed into. I close my eyes and I can see you hold her, her head in your lap, powerless in the face of death, receiving her gift to you, wrapped in the agony of knowing she will be no more. That's how our gifts are given to us, aren't they, my princess? They come wrapped in grief and sacrifice, and however enviable they may seem to other people, they are never worth their terrible price. You aged decades that day, as you received the unlived years of the only mother you knew. Her senseless sacrifice took away your childhood, your hopes and your carefree laughter, and raised you above the human condition, to a place that sees all, understands all and feels nothing. There is no comfort anymore, in that crystal clear knowing, no illusions, no yearnings, just the desert of pure understanding, and the torment of not being able to change the things everyone else cannot see. It changes your gaze, that knowing, making you look older and wiser, a seer, one who stirs reverence in the people who don't know how the change came about, and who only see you surrounded by mystery and power. Your agony about her passing is unbearable still, my dear, and I'm not sure I can take it in this wind-swept silence. The stones have kept it potent and intact for a thousand years, these terrible stones of memory. She is still here, isn't she? Buried under one of these stones? You didn't let them move her through the landscape and have her join her ancestors. Against all protests and traditions you have kept her here, the one request you were allowed to make in the face of her senseless sacrifice. I don't think I can join the celebrations after this, not today, anyway, but I can't stay here either, buried in your grief, Fiona, the stones amplify it and its crushing weight upon my chest feels like a silent scream without end. A stanza from an old skaldic poem kept running through my head on the drive to Stromness, a paean to the unknown beloved you lost so long ago and a reminder that during those early pagan times it was customary for women to go to war as well. What in there, braggy, as if a thousand shook, or an overly great host, all the wainscoted walls are breaking, as if Balder might be coming, again into Odin's hall. I arrived in the city in late afternoon, just in time to see it bathed in the strange light of the sunset filtered through purple clouds. It made the old stone buildings look softer and warmer, and the shivering spring flowers impermanent and fragile, and no match for the thousands of noises of Odin's halls. I instinctively shivered, too. 
When I walked inside the Stramas Hotel, my countenance must have looked so wretched, the other guest who arrived there at the same time as me, an older lady still faithful to her memories of the 60s, judging by her style, shook her head disapprovingly and said everybody knows not to go to the stones now, look at you, you're a mess, right before she checked into her room, trailing behind her the unmistakable scent of patchouli. The music had already started pouring through the streets, and just then I remembered the lady was carrying a guitar case on her back. I decided on the spot to go out anyway, and check the event schedule, wondering if I was going to see my neighbor at any of the venues, and maybe engage her in a conversation about the unwritten customs of this place, about which she seemed to know so much more than me. This is why I came here, after all, otherwise I could have stayed home and studied the history and times of Harold from books. You don't travel to a place to find out the things people already know, but to unravel the secrets and mysteries that don't live in archives and biographical data. You travel to a place to find its soul. I did not know if the hippie lady was Orcadian or, like me, a fairy looper, but her eyes could see inside me and she seemed much wiser in the ways of the stones. I wrecked my brain trying to think of ways to approach her that wouldn't make me look like a crazy stalker, and couldn't come up with a socially acceptable one if my life depended on it. There were so many people in the streets, both young and old, visitors and locals alike, and you could have been one of the many young girls there, Fiona, laughing and enjoying the music, and gazing with eagerness into a future of open options, that is the former you, before your life crushed you with grief. Our pivotal moments place us immovably on our faded path if you're inclined to believe in destiny. I never was, to tell you the truth, I believe one has the destiny one shapes for oneself, but then there are these weird, inexplicable moments, these instances that just don't fit in your life at all, these inspired flashes of madness, and they bring you thousands of miles across an ocean to meet a woman who died 1100 years before you were born, and hear her story. I think you wrote your story in the landscape, Fiona, and in the songs people sing in the streets, and in the local legends. The greatest breakthroughs always seem to come from mistakes. How is that for divine irony? The poor in spirit will definitely get into heaven, with the help of us battered and bruised sinners and miscreants who learned enough, the hard way, to point them in the right direction. You come to terms with the embarrassment of having your convictions torn down, and readjust your outlook based on the things you did not see before. It's a grueling process of self-reflection that would make you feel proud and enlightened if it did not also leave you feeling so disoriented and out of place in the world. Once night fell, the music got louder, like my brain was lending its unused visual capacity to my ears, the thundering of a thousand noises and many people. This is a time for celebration, I kept thinking, and I don't even know if it was in my head or spoken out loud, there were so many people laughing and singing in the street tonight, somebody might as well have said it. Man was made for joy and woe. How do you like the festival? A raspy voice wrapped in patchouli asked from behind me. I turned around, smiling, with a fully restored confidence in the workings of fate. What's wrong with going to the stones now? I asked my hippie interlocutor with no introduction, courtesy of my psychically imparted social ineptitude. That's a question for the morning, young lady, tonight we sing. We can be taken from despair to pleasure in a single day, like the sun follows night, in a never-ending cycle we can only comprehend in hindsight. When you blend into this the power of collective emotions, you are drawn into an experience that is more potent and spellbinding than in any drug.